Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, 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 it's Joseph Shepard. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of Exposed Dragged Out. Now, this is a bonus episode. I'm so excited to be presenting this to you. I had an amazing chat with the one, the only, Bianca Del Rio, season six winner, comedy genius. She is here to show me the way. Uh, so enjoy this interview with Bianca. Thank you guys so much for uh, supporting and be sure to like, rate, review and all of that good stuff. Just enjoy the show. Bye. She was introduced to many of us on season six of RuPaul's Drag Race, where she showed that being a comedy queen can get you the crown and has since proven that she can do everything successfully she has a brand new line of vodka holy vodka by bianca del rio and why am i not on that pr list i'm still waiting and is touring the world with her new comedy tour unsanitized her name's bianca del rio and she's about to be exposed hey bianca hi how are you i'm great i'm doing really really good how's are you in, in palm springs right now I am in Palm Springs. I've been in Palm Springs. Uh, yeah, I just, I had been in New York for like two weeks during Pride, which was a moment. Um, and then I got home and just been dealing with real life before I hit the road. You know, I'm just happy to actually finally get back out and start working again, you know? Yeah, and that's what, this will be like the first time in almost two years? Well, the first time that I'm doing a solo show in like two years. So since Drag Race, which was eight years ago, filming, everybody argues with me about this, but we filmed in 2013. So I kind of hit the ground running uh, from 2013 on until now. So this uh, pandemic was also like a cultural reset for me or a little setback to just basically deal with real life and plot and plan. And as I just watched the months go by, it was I was hopeful that we would get back on the road soon. So I'm excited uh, that I start in September. I kick off in Milwaukee uh, with my new show Unsanitized and we're doing all over America and uh, we'll be doing Canada, South America, Australia, Europe, Asia and South Africa in 20. 22. So uh, things are looking up if people wear their mask and do the right thing. Exactly. So everybody better do that so you can nothing gets canceled. It's just straight I'm praying. Through. You know, just cancel me like they always do. But don't cancel the show. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. What were you like as a child? Uh, problematic. Um, and I think 
I, well, I say problematic. Um, I was different. I was called, you know, every name in the book, but I was different. I think I was artsy and my parents didn't know what to do with me. Uh, but I think that's where the sassiness and the bitchiness and the funny and all that kind of came from. You know, it was just my defense mechanisms, you know. Um, and I knew as a child, I, I wasn't offended by people saying that I was gay or different or weird. It was just like, OK, I just got to get through this and then I can move on to what I need to do in life. So at the time it was let me just get through high school. Then it was like, okay, let me just get out of the city and then let me just get to New York. And all of that kind of worked out for me in the end. So I have no regrets whatsoever. But if you ask anyone else, they would go, oh, we knew as a child he was going to be. No, no, no. They hated me, which was great, which was great. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. You know, all these queens, they, they all complain. You know, they all complain about not being loved as a child. I, I appreciate the fact that they didn't love me. It's much better this way. Truly. <laughs> it is. I mean, that's that's what I always say. The kids were always mean to me and they were always calling me fat mm-hmm. because I was like in the 220s, 230s. And I was a chunky boy. But if they didn't say that to me yeah. at the end of the day, I'd probably still be that weight and not happy with myself. So, you know, right. I took it and I did. You know, I, I think it. Yeah, you build a set of skills. And and for me, that's just what it was. It was like, who cares what they think? I'll never see them again. And that's just my family. So it's great. You know, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. <laughs> when you started doing drag, I heard that you started off as doing share impersonations. Is that correct? Well, in the 90s, when I started uh, there, basically the way it worked was drag was only found in gay bars. You know, you would find it in gay bars or you'd find it in small cabaret spaces. It wasn't as celebrated uh, publicly as it is now. You know, there, were, there was a real, there was a, a talk show. Rue had a talk show. RuPaul had a talk show at the time. And there was a few people by the names of Jim Bailey, Charles Pierce, who, you know, were character actors who impersonated stars. So that was kind of the thing that we did, you know, that you could do other numbers. And I used to lip sync like everyone did in the club, but you had to have an illusion or in my case, a delusion. So, um, and mine was Cher because I was brown and had a big nose. So that was how it all kind of started. And um, so on certain nights, on uh, Wednesday night was our drag show. So um, you would have a theme each night. It would be disco or it would be 90s or it would be pop. And certain nights it would be the illusion night where everybody, you know, you'd have a Barbara Streisand, you'd have a Whitney Houston. You know, that's how it kind of worked out. So it was just the the luck of the draw that I got the glamour share uh, pre-surgery. Uh, and that's just what I did, you know, in the beginning. That was it. Well, when did the transition go from actually like doing lip sync songs into comedy? When did you find that niche? Well, it just sort of happened by mistake uh, because there was a cast of maybe six to eight queens that were there and they would do two to three numbers plus production numbers. And so what kind of happened was the host uh, was out one night. And so I was the chatty one that they said, well, can you just fill in for the host? And I did. And basically I had to talk to drunk people at 1 a.m. on a Wednesday night to basically cover costume changes. And that's where it just began. And I started having more fun with that than actually performing in the numbers. So I just said I wanted to do that side of it. And they allowed me. And um, it was better for me because I didn't really enjoy lip syncing. You know, that was one of those things. There's people that do it really well. I'm not one of those people. So I enjoyed talking, which everybody was terrified of. Uh, so that just kind of worked out for me that way. And, you know, with all of this drag, it was just um, this little ball that kept rolling, you know, and I was open and up for anything that was going to happen. And I just thought, this is this is my niche. This is what I enjoyed the most. Dealing with drunk people at 1 a.m. on a Wednesday night in New Orleans. <laughs> you you get on a little TV show that nobody knows about called RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, yeah. season six. Had had you auditioned before that sixth season? 
No, I didn't like the show. Um, I did not like the show. I was not a super fan of the show like everyone else was. And at this time, everyone in New York was, that's when the show actually peaked, you know, season four and five with Sharon and Jinx. And that's at the height of, um, I think, where it turned, you know, and it became a thing. And I remember seeing marathons of it. Uh, I never watched it in time like everyone else did. And I don't think there was viewing parties at the moment. This was just kind of like this underground thing that was happening. And I had seen a couple of my friends who are not that talented go on the show, Jiggly and Manila. And I thought if they got that exposure, why (laughs) not try it? So it was my first audition that I got the show. And then I found out, I think it was about two weeks before we started filming, it was confirmed that I was going. So I had about a week and a half to two weeks to get everything ready. And then I went, uh, not knowing what it was, but in my headspace at the time, I was 37 and I thought, you know what? I've had a good run. I've been doing drag since 1996. Uh, I thought I can't play this game of working in bars every night and doing my day job during the day. So I thought, let's just take a chance and see what happens. And at that time, at 37, I thought I'll do drag till I'm 40 and then wrap it up. And then my world changed. So it just kind of shifted then because I, I, I believe in term limits. Uh, so I thought, you know, at 40, it'd be a nice way to cap it out. And look what happened. You know, here I am now, 46, going, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I I can't even get over you. You say 46. I don't believe it. Because at the end of the day, you've become the biggest thirst trap on Instagram ever. <laughs> I'm like, okay, keep showing me shirtless pictures. Keep going at it. I'm well, like, this is the thing. I, I don't get... know what age has done to you. You know, the it, trick you're is- going in reverse. Well, this is good. I've got good doctors. No, the thing is to go, you know, I said, I don't mind being 46 as long as my waist isn't because then none of my drag would fit. So I say, you know, I'm enjoying it. I'm embracing it. And also I live in Palm Springs where I'm considered young. So I don't know what it is. You know, I'm surrounded by old people out here. Um, So I I feel pretty youthful in in my space. Yeah, I do. I love it. And I I think that the, the, the really cool thing is just how how amazing you end up being on this little show out of all of your outfits how many did you make versus how many did you get others to make oh god uh for the show everything i made um and you know remember now the show is completely different than it was then you know you get a list sent to you that says black and white animal kingdom whatever you have no idea what it's for so within a two week or one and a half weeks i had to just pull whatever i had to work and so my big joke that i've always used has been i wore the same dress in every color but because it was out of necessity i needed to have what i what i needed there and i was so worried about fitting the theme and also we had restrictions you could only have five bags at 50 pounds and i was traveling from new york to los angeles so all of this was was a big deal along with jewelry and wigs and all that madness so i didn't really know what to expect or what it's about. Now it's, you know, $10,000 dresses and costumes made by these designers. It was a different show then. And also our season, we had a lot of challenges where we made stuff on hand, um, which I don't think happens that much anymore uh, or, or that the girls don't have the skill set to do. And that's not a read. I just mean that it's a different energy about drag now than it was then for us. So yeah, everything I think I, on the show, I either wore, I think there was a suit that I bought and altered for one one of the challenges, but yeah, it was all kind of a blur. I just took everything I had that related to the theme and threw it in a bag and wished well, you know, that was it. Well, I mean, it worked out and you didn't end up spending like 50, 60 grand, oh. 100 grand as these girls are doing now to go pay yeah. the designers, which I no. could not even imagine doing and then never getting to reap the benefits of it because you spent so much money. It's true. It's true. And, you know, I, I, that's what I'm saying. That's where it's headed now. And I go, it's amazing the exposure, but there's good and bad with all of that. You know, it's amazing that the drag is celebrated. It's amazing that there's 52,000 franchises. It's amazing that drag is in people's living rooms. But also, I think people's idea of it is let me 
spend a lot of money to be accepted or to be liked. And that that's a tricky that's a tricky road. And you wear it once or you have a social media post with it and then you kind of fucked. Then you're stuck with the stress uh, that you can't wear again. Um, it's tricky. It's tricky, you know, but everybody's got their thing, you know. So if, if they love fashion and costume and want to spend their money, God bless them. Uh, I am not that bitch. I am not. No. I mean, but you were the bitch on the show because you had so many iconic phrases and things that you said that came out of your mouth. Like, you know, not today, Satan, you had baloney, you had all of this crazy stuff. Did you ever think that those moments would become very like big pop culture moments and that people would still be saying these phrases? Not at all. But I must say season six was one of those moments where there were so many people with so many opinions. I mean, Laganja, Gia Gun, I mean, uh, Adore. There was so much shit that we were saying because I think that it, it was just the idea or the the game was set in such a great timing because everybody was such a character and everybody had their own little things. And remember, we're not in on everyone else's confessionals. You know, we do confessionals every day that you see us and we wear the same outfit. We were the first season that we had to wear the same outfit. So we were wearing the same outfit every day and discussing what happened. So we didn't know what everyone else is saying. We don't know other people's comments. So it's fascinating to sit back and watch and I haven't watched since it aired, but to hear what people were saying about me or what I was saying or what makes it on camera, because you're filming it every day, back to back, back to back. So for us, I, I didn't know what was happening. You know, I was trying to get through the challenge and just saying whatever I wanted. And when you, when we watched it, when it aired, it was just like, oh my God, the shit that we said, it's pretty fascinating. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah. But it was a, it was a, a season full of characters though. Let's, let's be honest. I mean, some really good shit went down that season. Yeah, I mean, some very good shit went down. I mean, what do you do successfully? All of this came back and slapped you in the face within the yes! past couple of weeks. I yes! mean, you had well, Trinity K. Bonet being Beyonce. Without a doubt. And I went and I said, I stand corrected without a doubt. I mean, you know, seven years later, but I stand corrected. She is Beyonce. <laughs> um, she was brilliant, though. And that's the whole thing is that we're literally on our season, I thought for sure we were never going to get rid of her because she was such a brilliant lip sync performer. And I, I, I didn't think. And, you know, back then, the, the way it worked was you only had to lip sync when you were in the bottom. Now it's celebrated on All Stars, which is pretty amazing for her. Uh, so I'm just happy for her. I'm happy that she's back out doing it again. And of course, we're friends and we cackle. But I went, I can't let this meme go by without saying something. And so, you know, if you're going to be a ballsy bitch, you got to <laughs> own up. And I said, I stand corrected. I do. And she sent me a message cackling about it. So, yeah, it's all good. She's doing great. And I'm rooting for her. I'm rooting for her. <laughs> rooting for her. Rooting. Well, let me ask you a question. You know, you end up being on this show and you portrayed one of RuPaul's favorite people, Judge Judy in Snatch Game. Did you ever feel like there was a lot of pressure on you to be able to live up to a certain standard? Well, I didn't know that Rue was a huge fan of Judge Judy. And Judge Judy was actually my second choice. Originally, I wanted to be Dora the Explorer was the case. And I found out that we can't do licensed characters uh, at all. So I had this fucking backpack and I had my little wig and my little t-shirt and I thought, oh, this will be funny. Uh, no. So we, and actually I auditioned with Dora and no one told me at the time that you can't do Dora. So I found out later. Uh, so Dora was first choice and Judge Judy was second because I thought, I think that the thing that people forget is, um, and it was so evident with, with Jinx and her season, season five, was that it's not so much about looking like the character. It's finding the right character that lends itself to the game. So you need somebody with a strong personality and you need somebody that you can just pull out whatever you need to pull out and make 
make the game and the answers fun. So Judge Judy, to me, was just, you know, this ballsy bitch who had an opinion on everything and who's not going to take no for an answer, which is a lot like me. So I thought, this is a perfect setup and a perfect game. Once I got there, I found out it was Rue's favorite. So yeah, I was shitting. I was shitting myself completely. And what is shocking <laughs> is, is that we get to pick where we sit. So our season we did. So we walked in. No one wanted the seat next to Rue. And I said, fuck it. Might as well go ahead and do it. Which meant she may talk to you more because she's right there. Uh, but I said, fuck it. So I chose the first seat because no one else wanted it. And it, I mean, it worked out for you. You have it. No complaints. No, I mean, you know, yeah, but Ben de la Creme was brilliant that episode and definitely deserved the win. Ben was great. Mm-hmm. Ben was Ben played the game so well and also just lied going, I don't know how to do a British accent. Shady bitch. But she did it. She did it. And she won. Rightfully so. <laughs> she won that episode. Yeah. One of the episodes that has since gone into a vault has been the Drag My Wedding episode from your season. Do you know why it went into that vault? It, like it doesn't exist anymore? It doesn't exist. It's off really? all streaming platforms. Interesting. I yeah. don't know. Well, that was the episode. It's an episode I won. And I remember we did makeovers. And mm-hmm. I do know that there was, we had production delays. I mean, honestly, by that point, we had been shooting. I think that's a later in the season. It was towards the end. And um, we had been doing so many episodes. And I remember that being an odd episode because there were so many other people involved. And remember, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We're just kind of, you know, playing to yeah. whatever we know, or what we're given. And I knew that there were some issues with Jocelyn Fox's uh, wedding choices. And I felt bad because I I won the mini challenge and had to pick each person for the challenge. So I felt somewhat responsible, but I don't know the reason why it's gone. Uh, I have I have no idea. I, I would assume maybe it's something to do with that, but you would have to sign a release and all that kind of madness. So maybe there's just some other conspiracy. Yeah. I mean, I'm convinced they just don't want to show me winning. That's probably what it was. That's probably what it was. Some shady game against me. <laughs> That's what I think it is too. Yeah, I was like, they wanted to make it seem like you won two times, not the yeah. three times. Yeah, exactly. Was it three? <laughs> I got the money. That's all that matters. They gave me the money. That's all that matters. As long as the check cleared, you're in the clear. So check. it's totally fine. Check. Who takes a check from um, them? Oh, I'm not that stupid. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Direct deposit. Yeah. Direct deposit. Yeah. We have some uh, fan questions. In Shade the Rusical, was the line, she's a man with one eye in the script or did you ad lib it? Ad lib. That was an ad lib. Uh, we were encouraged to ad lib, and um, I think we did it. I think we actually shot the rusical twice. I think we did two turns of, of of performing it, and the first one was I don't think I said it the first time, and then the second time it was like let loose and say it. And I was thinking it the whole time while I'm watching Ben. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was that was an ad lib. Shockingly, and this is the thing, you know, you don't know if any of that's going to make it in the final cut. So I had no idea it was going to stay in. But yeah, I, I said it off cuff. Yes. Another one is I've heard and read that they filmed a tie between you and Adore as a possible outcome for the winner of season six. Is that true? And if you did end up in a tie with Adore, how would you have felt? Uh, yes, they did film. Uh, so we film, uh, as most people know, it's been, you know, said many times, they mm-hmm. film all of us winning. And that particular episode, uh, that particular night when we were there, I just assumed, okay, we did all of us. And then they they did one more. And um, I remember going, what the fuck, what the fuck? And as soon as they said it was a tie, I was <laughs> sad. I was sad, not because I didn't win. I was sad because Courtney was left standing there. So it was quite obvious she wasn't going to get shit. 
So that's what I was concerned about. So in that moment, I was kind of lost. And in my brain, I'm going, how could they do this to Courtney? What the fuck is going on? Uh, what are we going to do about the money? Are we splitting $100,000? This is some crazy shit. Like, just pick one of us and let it be. You know, and I truly, the entire season, I thought Adore was going to win. You know, I was rooting for Adore as well. And I also, you know, as watching it, as the audience was watching it, I fell in love with her on set. But watching her on television, I was like, there's something special about her. Uh, she cried. She had her ups and downs. She struggled. And we had just come off Jinx's season. So I just assumed that Adore would have been the winner. Uh, and I would have very, very happy being a runner up, you know, because I think all three of us had a great opportunity there. So an amazing platform. So I would have been happy if she would have won. I would have been happy if Courtney would have won, you know, but it, it, I'm, I'm glad it worked out uh, in the end. And there's many people now who tell me, you know, Adore should have won. It should have been her. It should have been. They, they still talk that shit. But yeah, it's done. Well, your relationship with the top four, like all of you, you know, Adore and Courtney and Darian, it seems like you guys have stayed close over the years. How have you been able to do that? Yeah, well, we started as soon as we finished filming, which, you know, was eight, eight years ago now. We filmed in 2013. We started a group text uh, just to catch up, you know, because they didn't encourage us to be friends online or anything to kind of leak any connections. You know, they tried to be secretive. And at the time, you know, we filmed in June and July of 2013, and it didn't air until February of 2014. So we had a lot of time, you know, of getting back to reality and keeping our mouths shut. And we, the only way we could release any bullshit or discuss what we thought or what we experienced was through text. So we have our group text and we catch up with one another all the time. Randomly, you'll wake up to a dick pic. You'll wake up to uh, a ridiculous picture of somebody's horrible wig. <laughs> you'll wake up to, uh, or, uh, you know, anything that's going on in our lives. So we check in to see where we are and what we're doing. Uh, you know, Courtney is now in London or Australia. Adore is in Los Angeles. I'm in Palm Springs. Darian's in upstate New York. So we catch up with each other and constantly have been talking, you know? I mean, we shared a lot together and it's kind of funny and weird to say, but it's been an amazing uh, journey for us, you know, and they've all been to my house out here in Palm Springs. And, you know, we try to catch up when we can. Well, let me ask you the last drag race question before we get into everything you've done after, which is a monumental list. I always have everybody expose something that happened behind the scenes. Good, bad, happy, sad. I've had people talk about fires and this and that and burning costumes. Is there anything that didn't make it to the camera that is a special place in your heart? Ooh, you know, it's all kind of a blur at this point. Uh, but I do remember, I do remember I had come out on the runway and, and most people don't realize this, you film the runway twice. So one time you come down the runway um, with music and you don't hear the judges critiques and you come down with music and you do your little turns and make your pot, make hit your marks and then you exit. And then we do it all over again with the judges critiques, no music. So I remember on several occasions I'd come down the runway and RuPaul would say, oh, I love that dress or I love that. dress. Oh, that dress is gorgeous. And I just looked at her. I said, you know, I'll give you the gown. It's yours. I'll give you the gown if you give me the crown. And it never aired. And I'm like, oh, that would have been good, you know, to wrap it up in the end. Uh, but, it, you know, Rue is a lot like me. Same dress in every color. So I appreciate it. And I took I took it as a huge compliment. But it was something that didn't air. Uh, I guess it would be a dead giveaway since I won in the end. But it was one of those moments when I went, oh, shit, that didn't make it. You know, I'll give you the gown if you give me the crown. Yeah. Like we would share the same size. I mean, honestly, she's huge. <laughs> she is. She's like 10 feet tall. She's huge. She really is. Um, you end up getting off the show. You start doing comedy tours. You really start putting your chops to the test. You're going all over the world, all over the U.S. One thing that's been happening recently, as we all know, is cancel culture. Everybody's getting canceled. You've probably been canceled 500 million times. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Do you ever feel like there's a line that you cannot cross when doing comedy? Um, I say no. Nope, no, 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 no. I think that, you know, it's it's either for you or it's not for you. The biggest problem I have is is with social media and not so much, I don't have a problem with social media. I think it's how you choose to use social media. And I use it as a tool to uh, celebrate what I'm doing, to publicize what I'm doing, to sell tickets and to come see my show. But that doesn't mean everyone likes it. It doesn't mean everyone likes your hair. It doesn't mean everyone likes your face. Now, everyone doesn't like what you say or do. And that's completely fine because I'm not doing any of this to be accepted. So you either gravitate towards it or you don't. But the issue with social media is people feel the need to vilify you and say, I don't like this or I don't think that is funny. And I go, it's probably not funny to you, but to someone else it is. So I don't um, listen to the noise or, or care about anyone else's opinion. If you don't get it, you don't get it. It's OK. Keep scrolling. Free country. Live your life. I'm good. You good. Moving on. So I don't I don't really gather into that. The people that like me get it and the people that don't won't. You know, that's how you have to roll with it. Has there ever been a moment or a joke that you've said that you have believed has gone too far after the fact? Oh, God, many, many. I mean, there's many times you say it and you just go, mm, whatever. But it's also feel the same way about Celine Dion. You know, every song she sings is not going to be a hit. So what, you don't like Celine Dion anymore? She can't sing? You're mad at her? It's just the way that it works. And so everything is not always a winner. Everything is not always funny to everyone. Um, and sometimes you just go, well, well, here we go. Let me make another joke. Let me figure this out. So that's what I think is so interesting about cancel culture. They put, you know, drag queens, men in wigs on, you know, a platform or this pedestal and thinking that you're some, some shining symbol of success that has to hold up to the gay community. No, bitch. No, that's not how it works. Don't put me on a pedestal because as soon as you do, you're going to try to take me down. So my thing is either you get it or you don't. I, I love that. And I think that that's why a lot of people do get you. I mean, you you ended up and I don't know how you got out of the picture of this because I didn't see a picture. I mean, I may be incorrect, but you were named the Vulture's most influential drag queen a couple of years back with all those really bad pictures of everybody else. Did you get out of the picture making of that? No, I wasn't at DragCon. Uh, well, it was very funny because I wasn't at DragCon that year because I was touring. And I, when I saw the ad and saw the photos, I was like, oh my God, you know, this is one of the group texts where I think Darian Lake, shady ass, sent it. And I saw it and I was like, oh my God. So it was two things happening. I was horrified by the photos and I thought, oh, this is good. Oh, <laughs> this is good. And the other part of me is going, who is number one? I want to see this. And then when it got to it and I was not pictured, I went, oh, okay, this is good. This is good. Yeah, this is a brilliant article all of a sudden. And I loved everything about it. Um, but come on, who knows? Like, it, it's, you know, it's lovely. And I would say it's flattering. But in the end, like, you know, everybody does something different. Everybody's level of success or measuring is just kind of crazy. And I know that sounds nuts coming from a reality show where you're judged. I just mean that, you know, there's people that love this one or love that one or get this one that it's really not a competition. All of us usually are friends or have mutual respect. And some people I get, some people I don't get, just like people get and don't get me. So it was a lovely honor and I'm grateful that I wasn't pictured. That was the best thing. I'll take the title, no photo. Woof, some rough pictures. <laughs> you, you've you had such a, a big career. You've had a lot of things, so many different ventures that you've done. You've done like Hurricane Bianca, you know, you had Hurricane Bianca 2, Hurricane Bianca 2 and three quarters, Hurricane Bianca 3 and, you know, four quarters. You had all of these, you know, ventures that you have done what has been the most meaningful thing that you have done 
I think just to work, you know, to work is what I think has been the game. I mean, Drag Race is a huge platform. And, you know, for many years I worked in a bar where, or, or a bar or, you know, a shitty space and uh, that nobody cared to see you. You were just filling time. You're dealing with drunk people in the afternoon during bingo, during happy hour. Um, so sometimes there was 10 people. Sometimes there was 100 people, you know. Uh, so with all of that, I just appreciate the opportunities I've been given, you know. And every night that maybe I'm tired or maybe over it or travel was a nightmare, I sit back and go, yeah, bitch, but you're fucking lucky. Uh, so all of that goes away when you get to perform and you get to go out on stage. And that's one of the reasons why I tour. Uh, a lot of people are making TV shows and movies and this and that. I squeeze that in when I can. But what I truly enjoy most is traveling and entertaining an audience. And I've been very lucky to get to do that. And it's the one most consistent thing that I've done since the show. So this is my fifth tour that I'm on and it's been unbelievable. And and I, I'm grateful for that. You know, I'm grateful for those moments. I prefer a live audience. I love being in the moment. Um, and, and that's basically my passion is doing that. So yeah, it's the work, it's the work. The fact that I'm still here, it, it's been amazing. Well, let's talk about this unsanitized tour. You end up going on tour in which month? I start in September. So um, technically we start September in Milwaukee and I will be doing uh, all over the US and we'll be doing Canada, South America, Australia, Europe, Asia, and South Africa in 2022. So this is kind of the kickoff uh, of the tour and uh, we have several dates and they've been selling very well, which has been wonderful, uh, but it also created a problem because I don't like too many days in between shows. I like to continuously repetitively do the show as often as I can. So uh, we had some snips with uh, New York in particular where two nights sold out already. So I have to loop back to come back to New York. Um, and it's a pretty tight schedule, mainly because I'm also touring after my solo tour. I'll be touring with uh, everybody's talking about Jamie the musical in the UK. I was lucky enough to get to do the West End nice. uh, a while back. And now I'll be going on their tour. So I had to kind of squeeze the dates in. And originally we were planning to start late September, but because tickets were selling so well, we added to the front of the tour. So I kick off on September 8th, I believe it is, uh, or that week. I can't remember now. Uh, but that's when I start. And uh, September through November is the US tour. And obviously all the other countries and cities will be coming soon. That's so exciting. When you go to different cities, like, you know, you're going to be going out of the country and stuff. Do you change any of your material based off of, you know, where you are? Oh, yeah. I, and also every night is different, you know. So if you're in the U.S. and you, you, can, you know, you mention Trump, it gets a different applause or different response than you would in the U.K. Uh, but everywhere you go, they have problems. You know, everywhere you go, there's an issue. So there's always that topic that you can bring up <laughs> that makes it uh, pretty pretty familiar to them. So it changes nightly. There's the base bullet points that are there. Uh, but each night, it really depends mm -hmm. on what I've got in front of me, you know, and what I'm dealing with and what they respond to. And that's, to me, the fun of it all. You know, it's like literally playing tennis. You're trying to figure out how to yeah. keep the ball in the air. And yeah, you do have to change it as often as you can, depending on where you are. When you get down to basically, like you said, your bullet points and stuff, how does your creative process work for a show like this? Uh, well, the process is usually a lot faster than what it's been this past year, because usually there's no time to think. So this particular tour, um, I, there's been three different incarnations of it. I was scheduled to start a tour last year at this time, and obviously that didn't happen. So the title has changed. The material has changed mainly because so much has happened in the world. You know, we've got a new president. There's a plague. There's 52,000 seasons of Drag Race. So there's new things to talk about that I didn't think were possible then. Uh, so this process, I've got a lot to discuss and see if people are familiar with it, if people get it, if people are going to go on this journey with me. But I think what's most important is that people need to laugh. You know, people need escapism and to get out of their house and to come and enjoy the ridiculousness uh, of what's happened to us. You know, you got to find the humor in it in order to keep going. 
Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's exactly what your bestie, Miss uh, Lady Bunny, told me recently, too. She was like, yeah. you know, everybody just needs a laugh. That's it yeah. at the end of the day. Completely. And, you know, everybody's laughing at her or just in general. <laughs> <laughs> just her on stage, you know, oh, just a, that's yes. a laughable moment in itself. Completely. <laughs> Let's talk about this holy vodka. How holy is your holy vodka? Well, well, what's been great is um, they approached me and they said, would you like to do this vodka? And they know that vodka is my drink of choice. Um, so I was excited to be a part of it. Um, and they sent samples and said, which flavor would you like? And I enjoyed the, the blood orange and chili, obviously, because it's spicy. And I thought, why not? You know, I didn't grow the potatoes myself in the backyard. It's not that serious. But it was one of those things that I thought, you know what? I will endorse vodka. Like, you know, a makeup remover is the other thing that I endorse because truly no one's going to buy beauty products from me, but they will buy something to remove remove it. So I thought uh, beauty products for me <laughs> was a makeup remover, the Bianca remover. And I believe in vodka, you know, and we've all been drinking during this quarantine moment. So I figure this is the best route to go. Give people yeah. what they need, which is vodka. And that's available at BiancaDariaVodka.com, just so you know. And then your tickets for the uh, Unsanitized Tour are at TheBiancaDelRio.com, right? Correct. TheBiancaDelRio.com is where all my tickets and performance schedules are. Um, and I have a few dates that I'm doing before I start the U.S. tour. I'll be in Amsterdam and I'll be in Tel Aviv uh, as well. So all of that is on my website, TheBiancaDelRio.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at TheBiancaDelRio. And the reason why it's TheBiancaDelRio is because some other bitch has the same name and it's what it is. Yeah. So there we go. Can you imagine the hate mail <laughs> that bitch gets? I tell you. Oh, we got two more questions and then we are going to let Miss Bianca go. Um, what do you think the biggest misconception of Bianca Del Rio is? That I care. <laughs> um, no, I think um, I, I, I'm a... <laughs> I'm a firm believer in, you know, you're judged by what you put out there. Uh, so it's it's fine with me if, if someone doesn't like it. But I truly think, yeah, caring or or that I really give a shit about someone, some phantom person's opinion. You know, uh, you it doesn't affect me on that level. I don't sit at night and read the comments and commit, you know, try to commit suicide or feel like, oh, the world's against me. That's not me. Um, you either get it or you don't and you truck along. So I think caring about the people that go on a tangent or go out of their way, it's just too much work for me. So no, caring would be it. <laughs> yeah. If you ever thought I cared, I don't. I don't. Not about that, um, you know. Do you care about the LGBTQIA plus community? Do you have a message for them if you care about them? <laughs> I say don't do, well, it's not that I have a problem with the community. You know, I always laugh when they say community because I've never been to a community meeting where they've said, hi, I'm Jackson and I'm gay. I've never been a part of a community meeting. I just think that it's that type of thing where, you know, I'm all for everybody do what makes them happy. And what makes me happy is being a troll, being a bitch, being old, being rotted. That's what I do, you know? And that's what Lady Bunny does. And it's in, in the vein of entertainment and it's either your cup of tea or not. Uh, so I say, live your life and do what's gonna make you happy. You know, that's the most important. That's my message to the LBTQ plus I place community. That's it. It's just find what makes you happy and roll with it, you know? They keep adding letters. I'm getting so confused. When I was younger, you were just a faggot. Now yeah, it's like all these things. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta keep up with it. It's a lot. It's a lot for me. I'm old. It's so yeah. much. <laughs> it is. Well, thank you so much, Bianca Del Rio, for being here with me today. I'm putting the link to uh, thebiancadelrio.com. You can go and get your unsanitized tour tickets there. We'll also have the Holy Vodka link below. You can go and get you a little taste of Bianca's holy water or That's vodka, it. as what we say. 
Um, where can everybody find you on the socials? You're just at the Bianca Del Rio everywhere. The Bianca Del Rio on Twitter. The Bianca Del Rio on Instagram. The Bianca Del Rio on Facebook. Yeah, and that's where all my upcoming information goes, and you can track my life as I trek around the world. And um, also thebiancadelrio.com, which has all of my listings of where I'm going to be and what's upcoming and what's happening. So fingers crossed that everybody wears their masks and we can get out of this and get ready to fucking laugh. That's what I'm saying. I- I'm gearing up. I'm ready. Uh, you know, let's let's do this. Everybody needs to get out of their house. Come on now. You know. It's wild. I, yes. I didn't take my time. Exactly. I, I didn't learn how to bake banana bread. I didn't learn a new language. I've just been doing cocaine and hookers. So I'm ready to get out on the road. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Bianca. I've enjoyed having you here today. Um, good luck on the rest of everything. And I'm excited to see your tour back when you're here in LA. Yes, that's in November. So thank you very much. And I'll see you soon. All right. Bye. Thank you, babes. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to this episode, this special bonus episode with Bianca Del Rio. Make sure to send me emails at draggedoutpod at gmail.com. Tell me what you liked about this episode. Tell me who you want me to have on next. Um, I love doing this every week with you guys, and I love seeing your reactions. So please, like, you know, rate, review, subscribe, all of that good stuff. Tell your friends. And until next time, I'm Joseph Shepard. That was Exposed Dragged Out. Expose yourself. Show them what you're all about. Drag.